What the heck is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Maker Made Podcast. I'm Tyler, joined by my good buddy, Doggy. What's up, what's up? And I am very excited to announce this week's special guest. Joining us today, you guys probably know him from YouTube, Instagram, unless you live under a rock. Incredibly skilled builder, maker, welder, epoxy artist, and woodworker. The list goes on, but without further ado, welcome Mr. John Malecki. Thank you. Thank you. You can both sit down <laughs> uh, and stop sweating. It's okay. We'll stop bowing <laughs> now. <gonna> now. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. Looking yeah, John, th- thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us this week. Uh, but do you want to just give the audience a quick snapshot of like who you are, what you're all about, maybe how you got started in this crazy journey and oh, uh, just roll with that? Um, sure. I mean, to keep it quick, uh, I have been in the makerspace since roughly 2013. Um, I was previously playing football um, in the NFL. Uh, when I got done with that, I kind of just picked up the hobby of woodworking um, in my final season uh, where we were destroying the Browns uh, <laughs> and uh, the, <laughs> uh, the the hobby itself kind of consumed a lot of my interest and, and a lot of my time. It was something um, that I really found a passion for. So I started a business with a former teammate of mine and I was keeping woodworking going. We, we built out like a studio and such and uh, after a year and a half, we went our separate ways, but I continued to uh, work on my woodworking and furniture making skills. Uh, at the time, uh, Instagram became quite popular. So I started publishing content on Instagram and uh, using that to like drive awareness to my business and drive clients. And, and between that and Facebook, um, I really started to dive into essentially being a, uh, a furniture maker full time. Uh, from that, I started to see the benefits of making content, uh, around making stuff. Uh, so, you know, uh, brands and, and whatnot started to gain attention, <clears throat> excuse me, garner attention with my content. And, and I started to kind of work that scene a little bit, initially starting off, just trying to get some free tools in order to supplement <laughs> what I was doing. Uh, we all love free tools right. and I'll tell you this, as long as I've been doing this, still love them. They're still great. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, after a few years, I started to make a lot of friends in the in the space. I started to meet a lot of other quote unquote influencers. Um, and Brad Rodriguez, being my you know my 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 right hand man and one of my my good friends, uh, his channel Fix This Bill That we started a podcast. I believe in 2017, 18 ish around there. We ran for a little over three years. Uh, we did 125 episodes there in that same time frame. I went full-time as a content creator and Brad went full-time leaving his job. Um, and both of us kind of been since then producing content full-time um, with, and then I also, you know, I just opened a lumber mill like a clown um, and I, and I still run and produce uh, a custom furniture company where I, where I build and sell, uh, you know, conference tables, dining tables, epoxy live edge kind of stuff, um, which is where my heart is when it comes to what I like to make and build. Uh, recently, I moved into a 10,000 square foot warehouse. I've got a, a bunch of employees now and, and we kind of have like a little bit of a, a little bit of an operation going here. Um, but our focus is still producing the highest quality content we possibly can and making, uh, making as fun and enjoyable as possible, uh, trying to you know, show people that you can build beautiful things and you can have a blast doing it. Uh, so that's the short spiel Hell yeah. on who I am and what I do. That was actually an extreme. Like, I am impressed that you have that good of a bio and like perfect synchronized order too. That was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, I got a secret. 
It's not the first time. I've seen it. <laughs> For sure. But uh, yeah. No, I mean, you do you what you realize over time is that, you know, some things matter and some things don't. And you just cut the fat and get to it, man. And I think the makers, uh, the maker community, especially in woodworking community, you know, they want to hear about the woodwork. They don't care that I played. Ironically, I don't give a shit that I played in the NFL <laughs> <laughs> for the most part. And I, and I was like, a lot of guys think that's cool. A lot of girls think that's cool. I was like, man, I think that's pretty cool. And nope. Let's talk about some wood. <laughs> hey, well, to be honest, I think that is very cool. I have, you know, I never graduated past doing any kind of high school sports. Love sports, and I have mad respect for anyone who is able to kind of break through the wall of high school, go to college, and especially that extra wall of going to the NFL. So definitely something cool that, I mean, you have on the resume at the very least. And I'm sure you have some wicked oh, stories you. about that. But uh, you kind of hit every single nail on the head in your description of what we were hoping to talk about today. Um, that being your kind of journeys with social media, your business ventures, um, the different hats you wear within your company and the different art forms that you practice. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think, I, Doggy, if you're okay with it, I'd love to uh, kick off with, you mentioned you were kind of a part of Instagram when it first kicked off and have clearly had success over the years in Instagram. So what has it been like starting so early on and still trying to grow right now with the current meta of growth with Instagram and all that jazz. I know you're not shy to posting reels, which some people have a very serious trouble with trying to do. So like what, I guess, yeah. I mean, I kind of asked you a million questions in one, but like, what's it been like just that roller coaster that is Instagram? Mm -hmm. Um, years ago, Instagram was my love. That was my boo-boo. Uh, she was like <laughs> everything I cared about when it came to content creation. I wasn't as involved with YouTube and I was very much like, Instagram drove the ship. Um, and this is probably like 2017, 2018 ish. Um, you know, where I was getting a ton of wins and success, you could easily create good content, build an engaging community, engage with them, serve your content to them, provide value, have fun doing it, all the things that social media is supposed to be. Um, recently, she's, uh, she's on my poo poo <laughs> list. Uh, I'm not a huge fan to be completely honest with Instagram right now, um, my stuff doesn't get served uh, to as many people as it used to, uh, regardless if I'm doing, you know, personal things as John Malecki or if I'm producing content around um, building and making things. Uh, so it's made it quite difficult because for me, I create content for the person on the other side of the phone. I don't create content for me. Right. Like my benefit of my channel is the fact that, you know, uh, so many people that are dealing with something in their life are willing to reach out and say that they got a laugh or got through a tough time watching my content and my videos. Um, and then seeing how much fun and enjoyment you can have doing the kind of stuff that we do. You know, that's, that's what drives me. Instagram's kind of cut that off by squeezing their, um, their ability to be seen. Uh, I don't mind whatever format they're trying to go through, whether it's photo, whether it's video, long form, IGTV, short form stories, whatever that is. Um, but they're making it a brutal battle to be to be heard on that platform, especially when like I can go to TikTok and get 10 times the views <laughs> um, and get just as engaged in enjoy enjoyment with the audience there. And, and for me as a creator, you know, if I'm not providing value to my audience, I'm not going to create content like I'm not someone here that's just like, woo, look at me. Um, and I think you see that in my in my content. Like if you go on my Instagram. I've been doing a lot of personal development type stuff because it's something important to me right now. 
Um, and the only reason I do it is because of the comments that are coming in. That's like, dude, you inspired me to get out of bed and go for a walk. Or like, I've been drinking more water something as small as that. And be like, I feel great. Or, you know, I started reading a, a book because you recommended it and like things like that. You know, I've made strides in my life, uh, consuming content from other individuals who provide value in that form. And that's what I'm trying to kind of give back with all of my content. And Instagram's made it tough because, you know, you can't chase hashtags like you used to. Um, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't create create the same content you were creating a year or even two or whatever years ago mm-hmm. and, you know, watch it, watch it get promoted, get to new people. Now, the people that are following me love and adore them. Right. <laughs> and I and I like like you guys, they you know, love, love me. Fac- <laughs> yeah, I love to facilitate that part of the, the <clears throat> I love to facilitate that part of my community. But the unfortunate side of being a content creator is that growth drives the ship. And I'm not asking my Instagram community to buy things from me. So how else am I going to make money and support my family and my employees and my business without being able to drive views, drive new view eyeballs and drive awareness um, for sponsors or for, uh, you know, just kind of generally what you need to be doing as an influencer. So that's made it really, really difficult. Um, And, it's kind of the way things work, right? Remember when Facebook, I mean, you guys might be a little younger than me, but Facebook went through the same thing. It was like, you could blow up and explode on Facebook and grow a great community and a business around it and do all kinds of fun things. And, you know, that kind of fizzled out for a minute. Now it's back because Facebook was like, whoa, we're leaving a lot of money on the table. YouTube's killing us. Um, and so everything's cyclical. I'm sure Instagram will come around. They're, they're kind of like behind Facebook when it comes to um, properly you know, monetizing and facilitating their community. I also think it's getting a little bit older. Uh, Instagram is, mm-hmm. um, therefore, you know, think dynamics of those tides change, right? Uh, younger people are on TikTok. Uh, you know, Instagram becomes a, uh, a better place for millennial influencers like myself, because we have more buying power than 18 year old kids, uh, who just want to dance on TikTok <laughs> kind of thing. So, you know, that, that there, there is benefits to the way in the landscape of Instagram right now. So I'm not, completely abandoning it. I, if you, if you watch my stuff, you probably see, I do a lot of tests and I've been trying a lot of new things, uh, trying to engage my audience in different ways. Um, because I'm having, you know, I'm having no success growing. So I might as well give as much value as I can to the ones I've already got mm-hmm. is my, my outlook. So is it, I mean, and you've clearly been through several waves, like you mentioned of different forms of, uh, the algorithm, mm-hmm. I guess, different, trying out different methods. So I know, and you mentioned specifically kind of like, I don't know if self-help's the right word. I can't remember the word you use, but like your stories in the mornings, for example, that's something that you're doing for yourself. Well, I know you say you're doing it to inspire others, but like you specifically said that it's something that you're really into right now and you may not have yeah. in the past. So it, it feels good sharing that and hopefully that'll help someone else. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And you're not kind of like conforming to what Instagram would want you to be. You're just doing whatever you want to do, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's also a perk of having an audience. You know, it's, it's like I think a lot of people when they're trying to build an audience, they forget to consider what they like to do and what they want to be doing. And then finding the audience that likes to do the same thing. Um, you know, I remember like, like, like I was talking about Brad, Brad is a phenomenal content creator and he understands trends and he knows how to ride waves and he knows how to create viral content. Totally. And back in the day, I was just kind of mimicking what he was doing because <laughs> I wanted to be like him um, in my own voice. And then I got to a point where I realized like, I don't want this life. Like, I don't like posting twice a day. 
I don't want to be oh, bound to days. my and like he loved it. He loved that game. And a lot of people forget that. So we'll see like someone like, you know, Keith Johnson, KJ Sawdust, great example. I remember a couple years ago, and he's still killing it now, but a couple years ago, he came out of nowhere and just skyrocketing. And all of us were like, we've got to put out, <laughs> you know, this ASMR micro, uh, you know, clicky content that's cut and paste really well, like he's doing if we want to win. So we started doing it. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> I don't care if he's winning and beating me. And, and if you want to look at these vanity metrics and care about him, like, I want to do me. And a lot of us forget that when we're chasing numbers, uh, these, these vanity metrics on social. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's important as a content creator to find the things that you're passionate about that you want to be creating content about, and then find a way to weave those into the content that you're creating in a way that provides value to the people on the other side of the lens. And for me right now, you know, I'm a, I'm my, I got a 16 month old daughter, right? I've been, I'm going on my third year of marriage. Um, I'm moving into a new house. I got this new building. I've got five employees. Like my <laughs> life is so different than it was in 2019 when, you know, Instagram was way different. It would make no sense for my content to be the same. The things that drive me, the things that I'm passionate about, the things that I care about have changed. So obviously my content uh, has changed. Uh, and, and you'll see that across the board. I mean, go to like your top tier influencers, like the rock, right. You know, his content in 2013 was way different than his content now. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and same thing goes for, you know, we'll see where some of the big names that are out there now, um, are in a couple of years or, or where they were, but yeah, don't lose focus on the things that you actually like to do just because you're seeing other people winning, doing other things on social about your content, John, as long as you leave that breadboard video up, I think I've made about 30 uh, farmhouse tables with those breadboard ends. And every single time I have to watch that video, and really? it was probably yeah, like I mean, a 2017 or 2018 video, I think. Um, dude, and it, it's crazy to see your content then compared to what it is oh, now. Yeah. It was a great like, video and very informative, but lighting, yeah. camera, lens, all that oh, stuff. Trash. Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I got into making content was because that's exactly how I was learning, right? I mean, I, I remember for years, it was like, watch Jimmy DeResta and try to do what he does. <laughs> and like, you know, watch Bob Claggett and try to do what he does. Right. Um, and that was how I, I approached YouTube. It was like uh, this tool that gave me the opportunity to build and make things full time for a living. And so when I hit a certain point, it was like, I'm winning, you know, on Instagram to an extent, you know, I had 20, 30,000 followers. I was like, brands are getting, you know, giving me tools and I'm getting invited to like Milwaukee and DeWalt's shows. Like, this is great. I was like, you know, how can I do the same thing that got me to hear for other people? And that's why I got on YouTube. Um, and that's why you see those videos that are very much like in a tutorial and teach you kind of voice. Um, but it goes back to what I was saying before. It's like, I hit a point where I love to teach. I just don't love making content in the voice of teaching. <laughs> so like if both of you showed up in my shop tomorrow and were like, dude, we want to learn how to make a, I don't know, a hand cut bow tie. I'd be like, let's do it. Like I love in person, one-on-one. -on -one Is that an open invite? Teaching. <laughs> Ironically, my doors are always open, right? <laughs> I get, we we're fortunate. We get, we get fans stopping by like every other day right now. So, um, but you know, to that, that's why my voice changed on my content and my YouTube channel as well. It's like, I got to a certain point where I was like, I hired Sam and Sam was like, you have way more fun off camera than you do on camera. Like, Why don't we just start putting this stuff on camera? And I was like, cool. And then we did it. And then you started seeing a lot more creators in our space having fun, being themselves and personalities started to come out. 
And I'm not saying I started a, a wave of it, <laughs> but you know, we got out of that, like uh, watching Bob, Bob, Cla- Bob, watching I like the mix up Bob, like kill it. And not Bob was very bland for, for years and who he was behind the scene. Um, and all of us just copied that cause he was the biggest name and he was winning and he was absolutely, you know, a, a shark. Uh, still is right but even bob now there's a lot more personality in his car like you look at his thumbnails or you know a lot of people relate to people and i and I'll, I'll stand on that till the day i die um and that was one thing that changed my content strategy on youtube was you know i'm a i go to a show and i'm singing karaoke at 2 30 in the morning gas and beers with dudes i've never met in my life <laughs> i'm having way more fun than i do when i'm you know in a dark basement dungeon chiseling away at a piece of wood uh why wouldn't i try to relate to those guys and girls more than I, you know, than trying to be a teacher. Cause it's just, it, it wasn't really me. So that's why our content looks and feels the way it does now is we're, uh, you know, I kind of found my voice, I think. And I, and I have a lot more fun making this type of content than I did that breadboard video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, backing it up real quick though, uh, on your comment about always having open doors, you did uh, your meetup this past weekend, right? Yes. How'd that go? Yeah. Looks like you had a pretty good turnout. I, I saw you had to make a, a quick exit at a time. Yes. Yes. So I mean, we had about 50 people show up and not all credit to just meet me. We have like a local woodworkers group that we hosted the event. Um, and then they brought their wives and kids and stuff. And then a bunch of, a bunch of like local fans just popped in to say hi and meet, meet me and the guys, which was, which was a lot of fun. Um, the, yeah, so I was, we had our pizza oven fired up and my father-in-law was making pizza and I went to just cut down some kindling for him. And I, my blade on my miter saw was dull and just the piece of wood just jumped up and caught my finger while, when it jumped up. So I didn't know blades or anything. Mm. And it like took the pad of my finger off. Ouch. Um, so just headed on up to the emergency room, got six stitches in my finger, oh. and then I came back and had some, six. That's had, it. Had some pizza. Yeah, just six. No bone I, though. I was a little disappointed. I put a a pocket hole drill bit through my finger like a year and a half ago, and I got like thirteen stitches in my finger. Wow, that was a, that was a sharp bit, my dude. Yeah, good for you. But, I mean, ah, no, literally, it, it just as a piece of wood got yanked out of my hand, and it wasn't like I touched a saw. Oh, oh, that's okay. good. That's good. So it, that's why it wasn't like a, it just like, I could see, I don't know if you guys have ever cut yourself pretty badly, but like you look at it and you can like peel it up and see all of like the mush in there. You're like, mm, I need to clean that. <laughs> this is not good. I ate lunch already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're welcome for that visual. I could send photographs too, if you'd like. I, I did take pictures when I was in the ER and I told the nurse, I was like, can you take a picture of this for me? Like before you stitch it up. <laughs> Yeah, my um, wife was in there with me, so we got all. We were the family was like, "Where are you? Are you okay?" Yeah, I'll be fine. Photo. <laughs> so I got, I got nine more. Yeah. Weirdly, I got back to our meetup, and like three of the guys here were woodworkers missing fingers. <laughs> so they were, they were like, I, was, I didn't even know it. And I've known these guys for a while now. Oh, geez. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty cool so, though. That's cool that you were able to uh, connect with the community like that and have a good turnout of folks that came out. And we yeah, actually... yeah. My my intent with the new shop and like being open to the public is more like you know I've got big tools and I've invested a lot of time and you know, almost a decade of my life to doing this. Now, when I was young and getting started, there wasn't really any big shop or anyone in my area who you know would be willing to let you use their CNC. Or now that I have the sawmill, it's like you know would slab your wood for you kind of thing. So I wanted I want to be a tool for for younger people. And we got a couple dudes in like their early twenties, which was super, I love that. It's super inspiring. We have a, 
you guys haven't heard, there's a major gap in the skilled trades for younger people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we can't get younger people to get their hands dirty, we're even more screwed than where we are now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 23. And I know that anytime I mention my age to people, you know, if they like come pick up a project from me, most of the time, like over the phone, they're like, oh, I had no idea you were that young and doing this kind of thing. Yeah. My grandpa was a woodworker and yada, yada, yada. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, that, you're a prime example. You don't look a day over 37, you know, like. <laughs> It's, but yeah, young guys like yourself. Yeah. I got, I got into this when I was like 20, I'm 33 math, like 24 (laughs) uh, ish. I'm 34 now. Yeah. So 24, 25, I got into the hobby um, when I got done with football and like, you know, everyone thinks woodworking is like this dark, mysterious old man's hobby. And I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think it's a blast. I think I love seeing younger people you know, grabbing tools and getting their hands dirty. I spent way too many hours in bars when I was in my 20s. <laughs> I don't regret it, but I'm just saying I could have yeah. probably had some more skills. So I feel like I've always thought I, I'm i not I'm not personally really into like the whole hand cut dovetails, super intricate joinery mm. and stuff like that. It has its place 100%, but with my shop and the way I run things, it could never fit. And something that I love about you is you – can easily do all of that stuff if you wanted and you've done it several times in videos and all that jazz but you also are not afraid to make like an epoxy river table which sometimes has horrible raps yeah. with certain communities the old guys who do dovetails and all that jazz most of the time don't like the epoxy stuff but that is my and you are actually one of the earliest inspirations i had for woodworking as silly as that sounds just the types of projects you worked on the style of content you made on instagram youtube wherever it's always been a huge inspiration to me and it's been so freaking sick seeing your seeing you grow and evolve and i said you got five full-time employees i didn't even i knew you had uh jordan i believe was your first one is that right sam Sam, sorry sam sam and jordan yeah so sam i actually he's the one who made the you you guys do that series where you do beginner intermediate pro mm-hmm. builds and i actually built a coffee table that he designed and i chatted with him about it and it was really cool and it was just a very fun experience yeah. that i was able to utilize that i sold it to a client which is even that. better so make money yeah yes i mean that's the big name of the game unfortunately it's a very important part of what we do whether it's content creation or running a business yeah. you know and that's no and tyler to that point like i could never hand cut dovetails for um, like drawers and stuff. Cause number one, I have no interest in that right now. And number two, I just couldn't make it and do it in effective time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. being part-time woodworking. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, <laughs> so do you have, do you have like, you have five employees that are, are, are working and, and grinding out in the shop. Does that enable you to take on more, like other projects that you wouldn't normally do. Is that like, do you have like a sub, uh, consistent line of products that they are like working and getting out the door while you can no, do the so, bigger things like black rifle and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. um so for clarity, those employees, um, I have two editors, a videographer and, uh, and then Jordan works in the shop and we have Jordan has an apprentice at the moment wow. who works in the shop with him. Then I have a couple freelance, you know, employees who do uh, copywriting, merchandise, and stuff like that. Email and 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 so the the main ship here is the content. Like, okay. Don't I don't want to I don't want to create any disparity in your listeners that like I I'm a full time furniture maker. I am, but I own and run the business. 
and then we build it as a team um, for, for sale. So being in the shop for me is mostly only to make content or come in on things that require an elevated level of skills that my employees that are making stuff don't have. Um, so if we have like, like Jordan, for instance, right now is wrapping up a reception desk for a local client. Um, any of the exposed welds on it are going to need to be TIG welded and like they can't TIG weld. So I'll go weld those in. Um, and then I'll come in like QC some parts of it and stuff. And if we're not making content on it, I, t I probably don't touch the build. Um, and and <clears throat> from, from my side of things, uh, going back to like your dovetail comment, right? Nine years is a long time. And I've been doing this for a, a long, like that long, you know, hopefully another 20. But the, when I got started, I also did not care for hand cut joinery. I didn't care for the intricacies of fine woodworking. But what you'll learn, especially if either one of you or your listeners want to get into building furniture that makes real money, you need to learn that stuff to create real value in your furniture. And I'm not, a lot of people think I knock on pocket holes and I knock on like pine and building. Like I got started making that stuff and that's awesome and great. And I'm all for, you know, getting into the, getting into the trade and trying and, and making stuff uh, to the best of your abilities. But I'm also a bigger advocate for pushing your skill level and trying new things. And that's kind of how, why you will always see in my content. Like, I don't care what you think. I will try something if I want to try. Mm -hmm. If I want to try you know, some crazy Japanese joinery on something just because it's available. I'm going to try it. Now, will the Japanese hand tool community like that? Probably <laughs> not, but I don't care what they think, right? I was on the cover of some magazine that I had no place on being on uh, because the magazine is similar to you guys and was like, you know, we really love your energy and the fact that you're trying to bring and promote the, the craft to more people. We'd love to feature you. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so humble, <laughs> right? That community hated it. They were so pissed to see me on a cover when I'm this guy who to them has no skills. And I'm like, why are there gatekeepers for anything <laughs> going on in the maker community? Right? Like I, I have the utmost admiration for the hand tool woodworker as I do for like the skilled, um, I don't know, auto body uh, sheet metal worker, you know, those guys and girls that have incredibly, um, specific talents that they only work in single mediums or with in single way. Like I have the utmost respect for them as much as I do for other guys like me who make content full time and just promote the craft. And, and so I'm not about that, not about that gatekeeping mindset, right? I am about pushing your skill sets and skill levels. Uh, and I constantly promote that. Like I have a, I launched a course for makers to help them grow their businesses uh, and help them get, you know, take their, take their hobby, their craft and turn it into a career. Uh, it's called craft a career. Uh, and in that, I'm constantly preaching, like, you need to be trying new things uh, because of going back to what I was saying is that perceived value from a customer standpoint is almost more important than the actual skill itself. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like we're us three or 3000 of us are not going to change the perceived value of a dovetail on a drawer. It is always going to be a better looking joint and a higher quality perceived joint than a butt joint or something that's and, dowled. And you yes. know what I'm saying is like, that's the reason you do it when you're in the custom furniture, you don't do it because of the strength of the joint. Like, I don't care what these other builders <laughs> are saying, like they're not doing it for the strength of the joint. It is a, a strong and a quality joint. Yes. So there are 400 other ways to do it. So it was a, you know, hiding a pocket hole 
behind it and, and butt joining, like behind a drawer front. But the perceived value of dovetail drawers with undermount slides is why you build them that way, right? Mm-hmm. And the perceived value, of, like the same, the perceived the, the perceived quality of um, <clears throat> cabriole legs on a dining table is going to be way different than chunky squares. So you learn to do these things in order to uh, build the build the quality or perception of quality within your business. And that's why I am someone who's always trying new skills and trying new things is because I'm constantly trying to provide the best product I can to my clients. And then, so along, along with that, I should say I, I could, if I really sat down and like bought all the tools I needed for it and like and put my mind to it. Uh, but I'm in that phase that you were talking about where I just don't have the interest in it. Also, most of the stuff I build is for myself at this point. Uh, yeah. So again, part-time and like you said, kind of making content around what I'm making um, mm-hmm. or I'm making it for like a craft fair that I'm going to and just trying to sell some random stuff here and there. Um, but it, it's something that's been, I've been interested in. I just haven't ever like sat down and had the energy to do it. Cause if I'm doing a cabinet or a, 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 you know, desk or something for myself, it's like, I want it done. I want it done fast. And you know, that's not always the right answer. Are you married or in a serious relationship? Uh, not married in a a serious relationship though. So I learned to dovetail hand cut dovetail because I fell in love with my now wife and I wanted to build her something and like blow her socks off. Right. And it goes back to that perceived value of hand cutting dovetails. I also took it as a challenge because, you know, you go to a, you go to a woodworking show and people are hand cutting dovetails in like eight seconds. And <laughs> I'm standing there all barrel chested and big guy. And like I can't do it. So ego aside, you know, I, I honed in that craft because I wanted to impress my girlfriend at the time with something amazing. And a layman can look at a dovetail and go, wow, that is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that's one of the reasons I learned to do it. Uh, and so I made her a jewelry box and there's a video out there and stuff. And the drawers have uh, half blind dovetails that I cut by hand with inset, you know, drawer slides made of the Wenge, which is the worst wood. And white. <laughs> like I, like all that stuff I wanted to, I just, I wanted to impress her. And there's a ton of skills in woodworking that are impressive in that same regard. And because I build for clients, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I work on when it comes to skills. Um, you don't have to do that, right? Like I have just as much respect for someone who does does a double inlaid houndtooth joints on their custom workbenches and then talks shit on me when I'm posting on Instagram as I do for Brad, who just builds cabinet boxes in his garage and makes an absolute <laughs> killing and helps thousands of people get into the craft mm-hmm. because he's making it approachable. You know, and, and him and I have had this conversation a lot. Is like, you know, why don't you push why don't you push your skills and stuff? And he's like, well, I have the skills because Brad took traditional woodworking classes before he got into this, this world. Oh, wow. He's like, but my audience wants to see this stuff. So I build for my audience. And that's the, what, that's what we do as content creators. We build for our audience, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, you know, with selfish intent from time to time, push the limits on that because my voice on in my content is exactly that. It's, you know, push yourself, be the best version of yourself you can possibly be. When I die, I don't want to be known for being like this incredibly talented hand tool woodworker. Uh, for me, I just want to be someone that people said, you know, dude tried really hard and sometimes made me laugh. <laughs> and like, that's how I approach life. All right. I'm sold. Know. I'm sold. I'll do a uh, uh, 
half blind dovetail jewelry box. That's yeah. the next project. I'm about few. to run out into the garage right now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you want to talk about challenging like a half a hand cut half blind dovetail? It's hard. I see, and I I I already said this, but I'm with Doggy about just I haven't been super interested in it, and I I build furniture full time as well, and I guess it really just has not. I haven't, I haven't wanted to give myself that challenge, I guess. Um, yeah. In terms of time and the customers I have, and maybe that has to do. Maybe I need to start finding a higher budget tier of clients. Maybe you know where I kind of have that freedom yeah. to fudge around and make something like that happen. Um, but as of right now, it just hasn't been priority number one. But I am certainly all about getting out of your comfort zone and all that jazz. And I love that you For preach sure. that as well. Yeah, so, the, the way you worded that, you also good. need to like realize. That. Yeah, the, you, what you also need to realize, and what I've realized as a, as a builder full time, um, and kind of touching on what you're, what you were just saying, Tyler, is like, you don't necessarily need the skill, but when the time comes, having that skill to put in the application, you'll be glad you had it. Right, and that could be perceived in a multitude of ways, but as a professional. When you're building things for sale, if you run into a speed bump and you only know one way to do something, <laughs> it is going to take you so much more time to get through that problem. When if you have hundreds of ways to do something, you will be able to manipulate that situation to solve that problem faster and do it correctly. And uh, this can be applied in any facet of your life, which is why all of us should constantly be striving to learn and be better versions of ourselves. But you know, when it comes to building, if you can, uh, like, I, I can't, I don't have anything on top of mind right now, but if you're in a situation where, you know, you cut a, I don't know, you cut a joint, um, great, great example. You're trying to do uh, through tenon joinery on uh, some table legs or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you cut all of your parts and you only have a certain allotment of materials. You realize you cut your stretchers too short. So your only two options are to either change your joinery method or make the table smaller, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have any skills to change the joinery method, how are you gonna get the same material yield out of what you were using? Um, then, then you're going back to skill sets. You're like, okay, I wanted to do a through tenon. Now, can I do um, a pinned? You know, can I do a pinned pin tenon here, um, or can I do a floating tenon? Right? Do I have the skills and the tools in order to do uh, floating tenons? I got you. Well, if you never cared about it before. You know, the fact that you did it once five years ago because you wanted to try it on a project. Now you're like, ooh, yeah, I can make a quick little jig and I have a mortising bit and I could blah, blah, blah. And like, boom, you just solved your problem. 30 seconds instead of like hopping on the computer, Googling the problem, you know, <laughs> finding out that pocket holes are the only answer and then going back to the way you used to do it kind of thing. So um, I'm glad you gave that. That's example. how I approach skills. I'm glad you gave that example because that's kind of what I my what my brain was coming up with as you were giving us, you know, your thought on it and developing into the story that you just gave us and a real time example of an ad adaptation of that thought and how I could have been in a much better situation if I had had this conversation with you two months ago to now <laughs> um, is I was building that coffee table that uh, Jordan designed with the finger joints. And yeah. it was my first time using a dado stack on my saw stop. Okay. And I didn't know that the saw stop required certain breaks or certain uh, uh, dado stacks. It doesn't use every single one that you can go grab off the shelf at Home Depot or whatever. And I set off like a wobble. I set off three breaks, three dado stack breaks on my saw stop in one day. 
because I thought oh boy. I thought I had the, the one spacing day? wrong. I thought I had the, no. It, it wait you 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 had the wrong break in. No, I had the right break in. I bought it three different times. I had a dado stack dado that yeah. I had a dado stack itself that was not compatible with a saw stop saw. What? That's stupid, who right? That? Isn't that stupid? It's a Diablo. Yeah, it's a Diablo. That? They make one that works for saw stop and one that doesn't. Interesting. Yeah, you learned something I have new. Diablo, I, have, I have two Diablo stacks. And well, I now have a Diablo that works on my saw stop. <laughs> I, I, never mind. I lied. I, I have a Freud stack. Freud owns Diablo. Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, how that's that. good to know. But back to my story. So I could have very easily just changed the joinery method if I knew more. But I decided yeah. to keep going with this finger jointing jig that I'd made. And yeah. Worked out great in the long run. But I could have saved myself $350 if I would have just known another method that I could have tried. And that was a prime example, too, of me coming out of my comfort zone. Failed miserably mm-hmm. several times. But I tried. I challenged myself. Didn't, yeah. didn't pay off at first, but it eventually paid off in the long run. Financially, not so much, but in the long run, yes. <laughs> and you could still be awesome and build beautiful stuff, like kind of stuck in your ways. Um, you know, if you only want to do things, like Jory Brigham, phenomenal furniture maker, he, he'll avidly admit, like, he, he can't do three quarters of the things other woodworkers can do, but he still builds more beautiful stuff than 99% of us will ever build. Um, and he does it with the methods that he knows how to do. Right. And so it's like, it's whatever you want to put in your tool set and your tool bag. And also it's, it's going to depend a little bit on the styles that you like uh, and, and you like to build as well. Totally. Um, but I totally, like, I totally believe that you should have, you know, you shouldn't walk into, you know, a gunfight with just one gun if you don't need to. Uh, and and you just approach the skill sets as being like tools in your bag. Right. Uh, I remember I was actually building, competing with Drury at a, show building against him and building a dartboard cabinet there's an old video on this and uh if you don't know who jory is look him up jory Brigham. he's absolutely phenomenal and he's been doing this for like 20 years i was on like my fifth or sixth year (laughs) building and dude he torched me but i came in with a very traditional uh craftsman style dartboard cabinet drawn up and i got to the show and I went to start cutting joinery on the workbench that they had. And the bench was so unstable that I couldn't cut anything. <laughs> oh, I remember that. So I remember the table, that. The table was literally like rocking over. And they're like, we can't do anything about this. But in my skill bag, I was like, okay, I've watched Cremona and I've watched Spags both cut dovetails on a bandsaw. So I have a bandsaw. I'm like, boom, I went over and cut the dovetails on the bandsaw. And I was like, if I could get, you know, if I could do these three things, then I could probably still use the same joinery that I was using before. So I was like running around the booths. I was using drill presses and all kinds of other tools to like clear out waste and do all kinds of stuff. And it all went back. That goes back to like the same stories. Like if you have the skills in your bag when you don't necessarily need to use them all the time, but when you do need them, you're you're thankful that you put the time in at whatever point to have them. Totally. Um, And that goes for life. You know, that goes across the board in life. Totally. you, You know. Someone, if you're in a situation where you need an emergency brisket, you're going to be glad you learned how to smoke brisket at some point in your life. Yeah, I love that. And now the more I think about it and the more you give these examples is how very obvious it is in your content that you like, that's your mindset with how you carry yourself, you know, because I mean, there's so many videos where I just actually watched one not long ago about your CNC and it was all uh, based off your guys in the shop. And then something came up where you needed to be there. And you popped in and they're like, oh, John's coming. We better, you know, shape up. And then you got there and you fixed the problem because you had way more experience than they did and had yeah. a way more creative outlook on what needed to be done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that was like the swing arm on the dust collection. Right? Yes, hundred like percent. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, Jordan and I are having this conversation two days ago. We were talking through. It wasn't a problem or anything, but we were just talking. And I was like, um, "You'll realize in life as you get older, and and this might be wisdom. I don't know, but uh, experience will always um, experience in uh, application will always trump knowledge, depending on where that experience is applied. So if someone is if you're doing something with some old guy who's been doing it his whole life and you're, you write a book and you came in all novice problem pops up and you want to do what the book says. And he's like, nah, we fix it this way. That is always going to win. And it's because he's been doing it for so long. Uh, and, and they have the experience and ability to just get through it. And, uh, and you don't get those experiences without trying the stuff. So, you know, that's kind of another way to look at it too. And that goes for business as well. You know, a lot of, a lot of, like you were saying there, Tyler, you're like, <laughs> like maybe I should try and get a, you know, higher end clientele. Like, dude, why the hell aren't you trying to get a higher end clientele? <laughs> like I even want higher end clientele and I sell, you know, tables for tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. you know, like that should be your goal. And, and if you're not going to try to build stuff for them, it's, it's not just going to happen. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of people in business don't see that. Like I have, you know, we have a, couple hundred people in my, in the discord group for, for craft a career. And we're constantly talking and I'm like, you, you need to get your brain broken out of this. Like you're not competing with Ikea. You're competing with things people have never even heard of. Mm -hmm. And you can't do things people have never heard of. If you don't try like a bunch of the stuff I build doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Very Think about true. that. Very true. Think about like the, the, the conference table I just built for that um, intelligence company with the Kraken in the center and the stainless steel that doesn't exist anywhere. You can't like, <laughs> and people don't realize that like, if you want to do crazy stuff, you can't think normal. You have to like break out, get outside and, the box, uh, baby, jump outside the jar, you know, get outside the box, like try new things in all regards. And like, that's, that's how, that's how I live. And that's what I kind of push it to the limit. And the last thing I'll say on this is the reason I'm that way is that um, when you're playing sports at as high of a level as I got to, and you're not the best guy in the room anymore, like in college, like, you know, you could say that I was the best offensive lineman in the room when uh, my senior year, right? Mm -hmm. um, a couple of those other guys went and played in the NFL, had longer careers than me, and they were good players. But like at the moment, you feel like your top dog. Get to the NFL, <laughs> undrafted free agent, humbled, absolute bum, right? Low man on the totem pole. And, uh, you start to see the way these professionals approach everything that they do. These guys that are so good. And uh, you are like, where do you even begin to develop that skill? And they'll do, they'll be like, you know, I was doing this crazy workout with blah, blah, one point and back in Miami. And they taught me this and now I do it all the time. And like the offensive lineman with the Steelers when I was playing there, we're practicing crop Maga crop, crop whatever you pronounce it. It's like a, form of like hand battling jujitsu or something. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're, they're using it in application. That's why you see like Aaron Donald knife fighting with his trainer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. the best on the planet. doesn't mean everyone should be knife fighting and get their hand speed and skills up. But when I look at life, you're like, dude, you're the absolute, like not Marquise Pouncey. Like you're the absolute best center on the planet at this moment right now. Why wouldn't I be doing everything in my power to try to be like you if, if I want to reach that goal? And you watch these guys doing all this crazy stuff and trying this, these new things and not fearing any of it. 
right? They're not like, oh, I'm so good. I don't need to do anything else. They're like, no, maybe I can get 1% better. Maybe I can get 2% better. If I try this, I can get two, you know, and James Harrison walk around with suction cups all over him. Now it's like viral <laughs> content. But back in the day, it was like, dude, what are you doing? Right. You know, and he's getting like a suction therapy and stuff. And it, it was very eye opening to see high level performers and how willing to try new things in order to get them just incrementally better they were. And that's how I approach life. You know, totally. I'm willing to try new things to incrementally improve myself, whether it's a builder, a business owner, a father, husband, whatever that might be. I gotcha. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Me and Doggy were talking before you got in here, actually. And we were trying to figure out how we could kind of like bring up football. I I had no idea. I've heard you mention it very rarely on your podcast and the handful of episodes I have listened to, as well as in the videos that I've seen. But I have to believe, well, you just proved my point that so much that you've learned in sports in general and being a team and all that jazz and how it translates to your life and all that. So it's cool to Mm -hmm. like hear you put that into words. But I am curious. Yeah. So now you have a real team in place where you're kind of the the, the boss hoss, so to speak. So do you think that the skills and roles you played in football have translated a lot to running your business and being in charge, I guess? Um, you know, so I guess the things that relate from football, not necessarily skills, but to my business now is like we have a very we have a very locker room environment. Um, and take that for what it is, but like, uh, I prefer to work on a team where everyone feels invested in the common goal and, uh, invested in the big picture, just like being on a successful team. And, um, you know, from football, you blindly trust the guy next to you to do their job. Mm -hmm. Right. And even if they're complete and utter, you know, (laughs) jag off in their personal life and doing all kinds of BS or whatever, you trust them to do their job. And you could say what you want for professional athletes and all that stuff, but that's the way good teams function is you, you like, you listen to Michael Jordan talk about Dennis Rodman, you know, he had to go to Vegas in the middle of a title run in order to get his head right. Michael was like, do it because I need you. Right. You blindly trust that individual to take care of themselves and get it done. If I've learned very good example right there, by the way, that is a crazy story. If you guys haven't heard that doggy, I don't know if you're involved in that, but the Michael, that, that three P series team or the two times they did it insane stories. And the last dance on Netflix is bananas, bananas. So you go, you, you look at situations like that. And so one of the things I've had to overcome and continue to is that mindset, applying it from football to now, right? Because, the way people work in the workforce, and this isn't a knock on my guys, it's just something I've understand, is that people are motivated by different things regardless of who they are as an individual, right? But in football, every single person on that team, if they're good, if it's a good team, is motivated to win. Mm-hmm. You have that common goal. And so no, no matter what else is going on, they're motivated. So now in the workforce, I'm coming in with blind trust that all this stuff's going to get done and people are going to do their jobs and everything's going to go and you're going to solve problems and be completely autonomous. And that's just not how it works in the real world. And so my job now is a lot of taking my experiences and my knowledge and my learning and everything that I'm trying to apply um, in all facets of my life and then creating uh, organizational frameworks in order to apply it to the business so that everyone has what they need in order to perform at their best. Um, I never had to do that in football. I just had to show up and put my hand in the dirt and work my face off until I'd be the best player I could be. Now, 
I need to do that same thing, but I need to do it with more diligence in order to put, you know, Sam, Jordan, Tyler, Ben, all my guys in a situation to do their job the best that they can. And to be in that mindset, you have to take a step back from your business to evaluate it. A lot of us as makers, and this is something I talk about in my course constantly, is a lot of us as makers think that by default, if you want to run a successful woodworking company, you have to put your hands on the tools and build the stuff. Well, that's only part of the equation. Just like putting my hand in the dirt and being an alignment was part of the equation for a win for a winning team, you know. And so now I've taken that experience from football and I've applied it to like more of the uh, the best players on the team. They don't practice because <clears throat> they've gotten all those reps before, but they're still out there on the field helping and assisting. And then they dive, they jump in when it's important, kind of thing, um, and, and provide assistance. I still like to be in the mix and with the team mm-hmm. um, and not so much like boss hog and overseeing <laughs> everything. Uh, but when you're doing as much stuff as we're doing as a team, someone's has to oversee it. So I do spend a lot of time doing that. But that's one thing I learned from football is that you can't just blindly put your hand in the dirt and trust that everyone around you is going to do their job when you get into the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to figure out what motivates people. You have to be uh, you know, understanding and compassionate for their who they are as a human right? And then find working dynamics that fit to those scenarios and to those individuals as a person. And then, you know, hopefully can come to common ground and work towards a common goal. Very well said. So I think I already kind of know the answer to this question, but just using that reference you used about a common goal. So you amongst your team that you have now, your form of a championship, you know, winning the Super Bowl or whatever it may be, what is that Super Bowl in your current life? Is it chasing a a viral video is it landing a huge client is it building a table like that big conference table you just did what's like the 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 pinnacle of what you can do in a sitting if that makes any sense um i don't really to be honest i've said this before and i'm really bad with like goals Mm -hmm. because i'm a blind i'm a blind worker i'm just someone who blindly works with no like vision in sight i just know (laughs) if i'm working that i'm winning like that's how I've, i've always functioned so as of recent, I've started to like put more frameworks into uh, visualizing where I want to go. Um, and for me, like it's more of a Super Bowl to at the end of the year, give a $10,000 bonus to one of the guys than it is to, you know, get a 2 million views on a YouTube video. Gotcha. Right. It's, it's more of a, it's more of a win for me when five of us can be involved in a single project and deliver it to somebody and watch them break out in tears. And, you know, like have have that experience go across the board and show my team and then for myself, see how much of an impact you can make on somebody. It's more of a win for me to have, you know, a, like a combat veteran pop in that's suffering from PTSD and tell me and the guys that we got them through a hard times and that our content and our videos and have inspired them to chase their dreams and, and get through uh, difficult moments in their life. Like that type of stuff is where I find wins and where I get inspired from now compared to like a million subscribers on YouTube. Now that's still a goal, obviously, (laughs) because you got to have metrics to chase. Right. But you know, I I look at things more from like a bigger picture and a deeper spiritual place um, than I used to. And I also look at the guys, you know, because I'm I'm like five, no, I'm like seven to eight to ten years older than most of the guys working here is like I want to help them come up and chase their dreams and, and, and live the lives they want to dream, uh, live in. They're in my world, but I want to bring them with me for all of us to 
kind of improve and, and grow and strive for the things that we want in life. Um, and so if I can help my, if I can help my team get to those points and I can help the people that consume our content do the same thing, that's where I see, I see a lot of value and a lot of wins. Love it. And then also this, this, to be honest, this course has been eye opening and game changing for me. It was something that I've always wanted to kind of do. And if, if I can help, <clears throat> you know, if I can help people chase their dreams and, and get to where they're you know, making a hundred, 200, $300,000 a year, working out of their garage, selling custom goods. Like I, like I was, um, that gets me fired up. That gets me inspired. And that's the type of stuff that, that keeps, keeps the motor burning. It keeps me up till 12 o'clock at night studying, you know, <laughs> sales funnels in order to apply them to my clients so we can help these students grow their businesses uh, and fulfill their dreams and, and live the lives they want to live. So I'm a little embarrassed because I, I don't actually know what, what is this? Can you give us some more information on what that, that whole system is like with what you're working on? Yeah, no, well, with craft career. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, uh, craft career is a course I launched it in May. Um, and it's basically my nine years of building experience. Uh, everything I've learned about business put into one single place, uh, for, you know, a community of individuals who are looking to take their passion or hobby of woodworking or making and creating and turn it into their full-time job. Uh, and not only turn it into their full-time job as like on the surface level, but actually build a real stable business underneath it um, with, and that properly functions and supports their lifestyle and their family. Uh, so, you know, the, the, what, what, what's happened is <clears throat> we launched in beta in May. I put out a video on YouTube and drove about 150 people into the course um, and since then we've started to, uh, tweak and change and I've started creating more, uh, more content based around, you know, what the audience wants to see and what our, what the students want to see. Um, surprisingly, we've built a pretty amazing discord group, uh, that is like a, you know, a lot of guys that are running small businesses that are constantly helping one another get through everything from, you know, <clears throat> uh, sales channels to, you know, backend issues. We were having a deep conversation on, uh, scheduling and managing time this morning, uh, pricing, you name it within these, you know, like Tyler, you said you're full time, like there's problems, right? <laughs> and there's no answer. If you Google it, you're probably not finding an answer, right? Uh, because it's not specific to the woodworking or maker community. So that's what that's what I want to be. Um, and I want to give people a leg up that I didn't have when I was sleeping in my buddy's basement, um, working 14 hours a day, seven days a week for years on end, just trying to figure it out on my own. Uh, so that's what craft a career is. So, and we've been having some success and I'm pumped about it. That's awesome. First off, love everything about that and would love to, I'm going to look into some more details of course, but that's actually super annoying to me that cause I I'm, I'm a follower of yours. There's no way to look around that, but whether it's Instagram yeah. or YouTube or whatever. And the fact that I just pulled up your account and had to search so hard to find that, uh, video populated on there is just crazy that, the good old Instagram or the YouTube algorithm just loves to, I mean, it, promote what it promotes. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, so like I put a, uh, and, and that's a lot more on me too, right? Like I, I did say that we rolled it out in beta, so I didn't want to do like a full rollout promotion, mm -hmm. uh, solely because I, I needed to get feedback early yeah. mm -hmm. in order to fix it. Cause I want it to be the absolute best thing that it can be and constantly improving it. Um, and so, you know, I didn't do a full promotional rollout on it, but, uh, you know, come, <clears throat> I mean, we're, I mean, we're taking on new students every day, but in, as, uh, as far as like uh, the next rollout and, and next opening goes, um, we should have it pretty buttoned up and 
it should be it should be one of those things where like you can immediately start making more money you can immediately start implementing these systems you can immediately start seeing wins within your business hell yeah um which is where i wanted to go because because this is a whole new world for me uh you know i've i've taught classes and i've done seminars i've done i, I get you know people pay, call me for one-on-one -on -one calls to help with their business all the time but putting it all in one package and putting it in a place mm -hmm. has been a little different. Yeah. And it looks like this is kind of like a, a live updating thing. Like it's a one-time purchase and you'll be constantly getting these, anything that you put out. Up yeah. So once you get into the program, we, we actually do offer tiers. So we have the, the one-time purchase where you can get the full course. You can go through it. You get into the discord group. You can start turning and burning on a lot of that stuff. Well, then we have a group coaching and a one-on-one -on -one tier where you can pay uh, you know monthly uh, and get access to me. Uh, the group coachings are you get to ask me questions and twice a month I hop on a call uh, and I pretty much dive into my experiences and answer those questions and stuff for for a, a whole assortment of uh, guys and girls in small small business as all the way up to having, you know, like small manufacturing facilities. Um, and that, that ranges in everything from like, you know, what inspires me to how to grow a social channel to, you know, understanding your pricing structure better, or how to close clients, like wh whatever it might be. Um, but our goal is to <clears throat> just show more people that there's something out there that can help you if you're struggling with your woodworking business or with your small business. Mm -hmm. I think that's like, it's, it's so hard for me when people reach out to me and ask me like how to run a, a full-time woodworking business. And I'm like, to be honest with you, I don't really know. Like I've been kind of yeah. flying by the seat of my pants for a long while. And I'm kind of in a very lucky situation where I'm not married, don't have any kids, don't really have a ton of, you know, real life responsibilities, as silly as that sounds. Um, I've been very fortunate with some of the deals I've made and the clients I've had and so on and so forth. But it's, uh, it's very cool that you're doing this and helping people because now, well, I have a very easy an out to that question because I can be like, yo, you follow John Malecki, you better go check out what he's working on over at Craft a <laughs> Career because that's the answers you need. And I mean, just from yeah. talking with you, obviously, going back to your whole experience trumps knowledge, right? That's basically a synopsis of what we talked about earlier. Um, yeah. Experience and application will always win right. over knowledge. That's on a plot. Yeah. So that's freaking awesome, dude. I yeah. might, I might I have mean, to take this. I, <laughs> I might have to sign up. No, I might have to sign up. My, my small business is hemorrhaging cash. <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, and I, and I think if you guys look into it, you know, you can see the, the values there. It's not like I'm asking for an arm and a leg. I, I, and I say in the course, you know, the, the first thing that I did to truly take my business from being something that I was making money and I was an employee or I was self-employed, but I didn't, I wasn't a business owner, was hiring a coach. When I hired a coach, it like the floodgates started <laughs> to open on all the stuff I was doing wrong. And I started to change and tweak and move things. And that's when I went from like the basement shop to the corner of a warehouse shop to our last shop. And, you know, that was like 3000 square feet to this one that's 10,000 square feet. Right. And being able to facilitate. And, and this goes as like, if you want to be in content creator, or do you want to be you know, selling custom goods? Do you want to sell a line of goods? Um, all of it. There's just nothing out there. Right. And I'm constantly reading books, studying, paying for coaching, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I need if I can if I can provide any of this value back to the people that are trying to be like me, why wouldn't I do it? And, you know, I want to and I think the communities there, uh, I think there's a, a I think there's a lot of woodworkers specifically who are like, dude, I'd love to just make a 100 grand and work in my garage every day, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, that's why I'm here <laughs> so I'm help you do that, yeah. because I, it's it's 
couple little tweaks, change in mindset, building out some proper systems, and you can get there way faster than you think you can. Yeah, it's been, I say, I, I don't probably give myself enough credit on how I've been doing what I've been doing for the past three or four years, but I mean, it's most definitely not easy. So yeah, like exactly like you said, you know, it's, there's nothing out there that kind of gives you a no. runway to help you out with, you know, the mindset behind it, the experience you need to know. And I mean, we wear a lot of hats as business owners. I mean, you, especially now with yeah. the whole sawmill now, that's just, that alone yes. is another freaking headache that you have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. The sawmill is like a, <clears throat> so funny cause it came up in one of our group coaching calls with the course and I, and I, and they were asking about it. They're like, you know, how soon in your business should you, uh, look into integration uh, in any regard. And I was like, well, whether it's, you know, vertical or an integration or horizontal integration or whatever you want to call it. I was like, for me, sawing, saw milling has always been uh, a dream because I live in an area that has a lot of old growth and big timber that goes to, you know, firewood and mulch because no one uses urban trees around this area uh, because there's nails and uh, bullets and all kinds of metal and stuff. And they don't go to mills. <laughs> and they don't cut them but there are you can still use you know a lot of the the yield in, in these trees plus they're huge so why wouldn't you want to use them right and uh i've always been intrigued by that model i also love building live edge furniture so like it makes a lot of sense and for me <clears throat> there's not a bunch of great sources in pennsylvania for uh slabbed slabbed wood so that's kind of what leaned me into it and then when i was able i mean you want to go down the business rabbit hole of it, you get, you know, the, the tax breaks and deductions. And then I can also use it to, to funnel um, services into the business where I can, you know, provide value to the local community as well as a hire and then market towards the other services and stuff that we have as a business and everything kind of like makes sense. And it seemed <laughs> like a, a seamless addition. Yeah. Well, so that's why I went about it. I mean, dumped a ton of cash into it. And now we're trying to figure out how to do it and having a lot of fun with it and hopefully inspiring others who have been afraid of getting into it to try it themselves. You started on the chainsaw mill, right? Like years ago? Mm-hmm. Because I remember that yeah. content probably two two years ago or so. Um, and then what yeah. do you, uh, what kind of sawmill do you have now? So I have a six, uh, a 70 inch wide band saw mill. <laughs> that's uh, crazy. It that has a 20, 24 foot band on it and, uh, and it can cut up to, I think like 20 inches thick, uh, and almost six feet wide. Can, so can you do it's, the, it's pretty uh, big, the folding blade video with the 20, 24 foot. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There's one of my, it's on some of my social channel. It might be on Instagram, definitely on TikTok, Facebook reels and stuff. But yeah, I mean the sawmill is, it's a time investment, right? Cause you got to let the wood dry uh, in order to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've already got probably like 12,000 board foot of lumber sitting in my yard. Wow. Um, that's like over the years and hopefully as we continue to build and grow, um, you know, kind of absorbs a lot of the, uh, upfront costs for me to build things. Uh, and that's where it goes back to the skill set kind of conversation is I look at a lot of the skills that I acquire, uh, as how can I save money and other, is it, is it valuable for me to learn this skill or is it valuable for me to pay someone else to do <laughs> it? Um, and like powder coating, I pay someone else. Welding, I do it myself. Uh, Cam Blacktail Studios doesn't weld or do any of his bases himself uh, because it's more valuable for him to be working on the tops and to be you know like so his his business makes more sense to not learn that skill. But that's how you should be valuing things as a business owner is is it co- 
Is it more effective for me to pay someone else to do this uh, when you have your cost and time evaluation? Or should I learn this myself in order to create a superior product or be able to express more, I don't know, creativity, um, whatever that might be. And that's how I looked at the sawmill. Yeah, on a, on a much smaller scale. So John, backstory on me, I do full-time woodworking, yeah. But uh, I also make and manufacture uh, acrylic charcuterie board templates, or not just charcuterie boards, but all kinds of serving trays and all that jazz. And luckily, they become very popular. And when I first started out, I used to outsource for cutting them all the time for over a year. Yeah. So much smaller scale, but I finally got a CNC that I cut them myself. And then now recently I invested in a huge laser that I can cut them myself now way better. So very, very well said. And that is really cool that you're, I mean, it's just cool seeing that mindset be put into effect. Yeah. And that's how business functions. A lot of people don't realize like you don't like Apple isn't building every single part that goes into one of their phones. So like, you know, you, you outsource a lot of things and then you assemble them and they come together with proprietary technology and blah, blah, blah. But like, there's nothing wrong with running a business like that, right? There's nothing wrong with just making tabletops and outsourcing your bases. There's nothing wrong with, you know, building cabinets and then setting them out to finish. It's just, you have to be able to equate down the line, the time it takes and investment it is for you to do those things. And then, uh, is it willing to absorb into your business or is it not? Right. So that's awesome, Tyler. I mean, I'm gonna have to look into your acrylic cutting boards, charcuterie, Heck charcutes, yeah. baby. Sometimes <laughs> they take a while to get there though. Oh yeah, well that's like a, a uh, an exact example, John, about you know going into the team that you have assembled. You know, obviously you nowadays are probably almost never behind the camera, or yeah, behind the camera. When you are in the shop, you are doing mm-hmm. it for content. You know, so I th- I think it is. So I mean, I wanted to ask you kind of how you made the decision to build your team, I guess, you know, like the, when, when did you see the point? Obviously once, you know, you started realizing your content started making money, getting you free tools and all that jazz. So it made more sense for you to invest in an employee to help you with that. And I'm kind of like running into that kind of thing too, where I need, I'm stretching myself too thin. So I need to start bringing someone on who can help me and help me do other things better while still keeping that facet of the business running. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the first piece of advice I tell anyone who's looking to hire is like, I believe the moment you should hire is when you are completely maxed out. Like if you feel like you can't get everything you need to get done, you need help doing it. And if you run a business that even without looking at numbers, like that inclination for you means that it's time to bring someone else on. So for me, um, when I got to a point where I was like, I can't shoot edit, produce all this content, build custom furniture, uh, deliver it. So I can't do it all. I need help. And I'm literally working eight days a week, you know, and (laughs) and never sleeping or taking care of myself. You're like, that's when you should be considering hiring. Right. Also, you have to consider what value that individual you're hiring is going to bring to your business, right? Are you hiring? You hire up, you get freedom. You hire down, you get more work. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be hiring somebody, you're obviously probably not going to have a great budget if it's your first individual that you're hiring. So you're probably going to hire someone who can just get stuff done for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what Sam's been for me for years. <laughs> um, and Sam just happened to have a skill set where he could be behind the camera. He could shoot. He could film. He could also hop in on projects. He could build a little bit. Um, and it was it's a great fit. Uh, but, you know, the way a lot of people look at hiring is they have to have these like, you know, they have to have these metrics and they have to know what they cost. It's like, 
if you're making X dollars, say you're making 10 grand a month with the time that you have right now, if you could take a third of that time back and invest it into the things that drive revenue and you're making 20,000 a month now, you know, can you double your income by putting that time towards something else? Cause there's your hiring that you, it might not be out of the revenues you make now, but it might be your, you should be hiring on potential opportunity for that individual and what they cost for your business. So like right now, uh, if you look at your business, Tyler, it's like, where are you most valuable and where do you want to be doing the most? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, do you want to be standing there pressing go on your CNC in order to cut templates and packing boxes for shipping? Or do you want to be focusing on creating a better, uh, you know, I don't know, creating a better sales funnel and customer experience on the front end of the business? Probably, probably B, you know, you want to be dealing with customers and right. selling because mm-hmm. there's only two times in a custom furniture or custom maker business that you make money collecting deposits and delivering goods. Yep. Very well said. Everyone, if you could just focus on those two things, hire people to do the other stuff around you. And that's what hiring Sam was. It's like, if I can solicit more sponsors, if I can even take four hours out of my week to go talk to more sponsors, I could probably pick up one more sponsor a month and that pays his salary. And that's what happened. And then I've just continued to compound that over the years. Very well said. Definitely. Mm. Uh, uh, you can uh, just send me the bill to my, uh, inbox i'll get you taken care of for the uh, life coaching but uh yeah and i mean john i know i told you we'd probably only keep you for about an hour i want to make sure that uh you don't have any kind of hard cutoff or anything i think we probably will be winding it down here soon um i got a few more minutes for you boys cool well uh doggy i think you got a question yeah what uh do you have a favorite project you've ever done in your entire career um i mean I love the projects where we get to work with cool people. I uh, love you know, like the Black Rifle Conference table. Got to meet some awesome guys there. We've got a few things in the works here moving forward. Um, the you know like I, I those projects are always a blast. Um, did a little project with the Steelers a year or so ago. I think it was last year. Yeah, it was last year, um, which was great. You know, got to <clears throat> go back to some of my old stomping grounds and stuff. I did a little sign for one of the coaches that retired at Pitt recently. You know, like something just super. I didn't even do anything. I just sanded <laughs> the piece of wood. Jordan cut it, filled it, finished it. Like I delivered it. Stuff like like favorite projects for me is always like the next project we're working yep. on. Um, and if I if, but looking back on like the over the years and the portfolio and stuff is like we we have had a lot of fun doing. I mean, I I shot up a desk with a automatic weapons for a <laughs> client once. Like that was awesome. Like I was working on the website last week and I was like, man, these, these bullet holes will sure look awesome. <laughs> was that with this. the Tommy like, gun? Back on was that it. with the Thompson? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, was like, so jealous. Star and there was a Tom, like it was, it was a blast. And, uh, I mean, that was, that's up there. And every time we build something, we stand in the shop and look at it. Like this is the best thing we built. Uh, and so for me, I don't really have a single favorite project, but those projects where I get to involve other people and we have cool clients who are like willing to do wild stuff. Those are always blast. That was going to be the follow up. Do you have a favorite client? Favorite client. I mean, you can, a lot of my clients are like private individuals. Uh, you know, when it comes to like, <clears throat> I don't know, some of the content you guys may have seen on, on YouTube and stuff. Um, like the, that Winchester project was a blast going back to that, that RIP desk was a blast. The black rifle stuff was a blast. Um, we've got some stuff coming up here in the next few months that are with some really cool clients that have been fun. Jocko's guitar was amazing. Mm, yeah, Matt cool. guitar was fun. Um, you know, getting to meet Jocko, I was like crap myself when I shook his hand because, <laughs> you know, like you know, it's, it's funny. You can be in a room with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger for years and not ever be shook by like the stardom that comes with like you know, <laughs> one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. And then you walk in to uh, meet Jocko and I'm like, <laughs> uh, 
So, I mean, that was super cool. And I think looking back on the past couple of years, probably the coolest one-on-one experience and favorite client. He didn't know it was coming. Mm. So that was a, that was a cool project. <laughs> uh, well, John, we uh, very heavily appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on and uh, chat with us. It's been an absolute blast and uh, very thankful for the tips you bestowed on us just in this little hour of recording. <laughs> but uh, yes. before we sign off, I do want to kind of roll out the red carpet for you. Take some time to promote whatever you feel like you need to promote. Anything fun you're working on, anything you need to tell the people. Mm. Go ahead and give them the beans. I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't really have anything to tell. If you if you want to hear more from me, uh, just look up my name, John Malecki, on probably all platforms. If you're interested in all the business talk uh, and getting better at your business, um, you can check out craftercareer.com. And uh, besides that, yeah, essentially, you know, just appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, love seeing love seeing the, the podcast community continue to grow in the woodworking space. And I wish you guys both the most the most luck with it because i know what kind of grind it is yeah <laughs> definitely well you know what and i want to wrap this up real quick but i do want to ask about the podcast just out of curiosity i know that you guys kind of had like a, a big triumphant return and then you know i'm sure things got in the way and yeah. stopped that it, it, are you guys kind of wrapped up with it or do you think that you might rekindle it um, at some point yeah made made for profits done uh you know we, we kind of came to that conclusion unfortunately and fortunately you know brad and i are are business owners first and then well we are family people first <laughs> and then then business owners. Um, and so when the pandemic hit, you know, Brad works from his house. Um, and so getting any solitude and stuff with his kids and his whole family home, it was really hard to find time to uh, record. And Brad is like a, I don't want any noise in the next four, <laughs> in four mile radius kind of guy when we recorded. Um, as well as it's just, you know, it's a distraction. So that made it a little, a little bit hard as well as... Um, you know, my, my situation with owning a building, not owning a building, it was renting a building at the time. And then the whole world shutting down, I had to like kind of pivot what I was doing slightly for a little bit. Um, and it kind of decided to just like take a step away. Um, and our biggest sponsor, their budget got cut, mm. uh, during the pandemic. So, you know, we just, we weren't getting, we, we like to make money when we do things. Uh, and typically I don't do things that don't make me money. Mm -hmm. Uh, so smart you know, way to live from that life. Stand <laughs> yeah. So, well, if you're going to, You'll see, you guys are young. Like when you get married and you have kids, you want to spend your time with your family. Uh, you're only, your time away is either going to be for self-care or something to make you money. Uh, so with the podcast and stuff, you know, we, we weren't making money. It was getting really difficult to record. Uh, we had 125 episodes out in the hot, in like the world already. Um, and our, our content, you know, you guys are saying you're listening now is like, you can go and listen to it for years and it's like a back catalog of information <laughs> on business side of this world. Mm -hmm. um, and so we felt like it was a good place to put a cap on it. Um, I do have plans to launch a podcast of my own this fall, uh, hopefully depending on a few factors that is going to be in that uh, business conversation um, geared more towards like the, you know, craft a career stuff. Um, Cause I feel like I, you know, tapped into something there that there's a lot of, inspired young individuals yeah. and older you can count on at least that. one listener sign me yes, up yes one listener now <laughs> we just got to get you i got to get you in the course yeah is what we need both both of you guys because i think you'd love it just from this conversation here but uh might be back into the podcast scene i love this i love the uh, i love you know chatting and talking to other makers and people in the community and stuff so it's something that's on my my radar potentially uh for the future but made for profit is is done 
she's she's retired. R.I.P. It was a good run you guys had, and I I loved listening to. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't really into podcasts back then, but I mean, I listened to a handful yeah. of you guys' episodes, knowing that you'd be coming on, and I mean, you guys did a really good job. And a lot of those episodes are still very applicable to what's going mm-hmm. on now. I mean, some of like the social media topics might have been a, a little yeah, outdated at this right. point, but uh, yeah. I mean, great show. Like basic bookkeeping and like branding and stuff. Yeah, you know, and uh, the other thing that was. <laughs> I found it super interesting now is like this tool that we're using right now didn't exist when Brad and I were podcasting, right? <laughs> so like I'd, we'd send a link and Zoom didn't exist. So it'd be Skype, a Skype link. And then you'd natively record on your own laptop, right? <clears throat> and then you'd have to send it to me. Right. It was a bunch of work. Well, and, th- that's uh, what's funny is because like in I, the email I sent you, like I was like, all you gotta do is log in and uh, we'll do the rest from there, man. And I and you're yeah. like, wait, no video? I was like, no, we'll get video. We might not record it and post it, but uh, it's just audio yeah. only. And we have this really cool it was recording. Way different. Yeah. Once again, really appreciate you guys having me. I wish you nothing but the utmost, uh, you know, success with this podcast um, and and keeping this train rolling in the future. So thanks, man. Very uh, very blessed to have you on here. Honest to God, you've been a huge inspiration to me and what Thank I do. You. And it sounds like you will continue to inspire me in the long run, especially checking out this course and whatever else you come up with in the future. Um, and the mu- feeling is definitely mutual about mutual about having ongoing success. Awesome, man. And yeah, I think on, you guys. on that note, we peace out of here. Go Browns. Peace. <laughs>